Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for Sunday, May 1st, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Dan McClintock, Minister of Missions and Family Life at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon this morning is entitled, Feeling Abandoned. Good morning. When Joey began by reading part of today's text in Greek, knowing his background, I thought perhaps Pentecost had come early to Park Road. It would have been interesting to report that back to Russ and Amy. Today is the sixth Sunday of Easter on the liturgical calendar. As you may know, here at Park Road, we follow the liturgical readings more or less, not rigidly, but in our Baptist way. When I learned that I would be preaching today, I looked up the readings, expecting to find a story of a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus, perhaps. After all, we celebrated Easter Six weeks ago, Christ is risen. So I was surprised. Shocked would probably be too strong a word, but definitely surprised to find a reading from Jesus' farewell discourse on the night that he was betrayed. And then it occurred to me that maybe we're back in the upper room today for a reason. Maybe there's something important about which we need to be reminded. So we find ourselves in a conversation between Jesus and his disciples, a conversation that takes place at the dinner table after they had eaten together for the last time after Jesus had washed their feet, after Peter's denial was foretold, and after Judas had departed to betray Jesus. To say that the disciples were feeling a bit anxious about what would come next would be an understatement. They were confused, sad, troubled, and afraid. The late Fred Craddock, former preaching professor at Candler School of Theology, offered this device for understanding the mindset of the disciples. They are children playing on the floor only to look up to see mom and dad putting on their hats and coats. They have three questions, always three questions. Where are you going? Can we go too? And who will stay with us? To the question, where are you going? Jesus replies, I go to prepare a place for you. 
I go to be with the Father. Can we go too? Jesus answers, where I am going, you cannot come now, but you will come later. Who will stay with us? Who will stay with us? Jesus addressed this question no fewer than five times in the course of this discussion. Granted, it's a long farewell discourse. It takes fully four chapters of John's Gospel. But the fact that he addressed this question five times reflects how really anxious the disciples were. After all, they had left everything, everything they knew, and spent the last three years following Jesus. They listened to his teachings, learned from him, witnessed his life-giving interactions with people. And now, he was going away, leaving. Can you imagine their apprehension, their sense of foreboding, their fear of being abandoned, left to their own devices? Joseph Conrad, in Heart of Darkness, said, we live as we dream, alone. That's a rather pessimistic worldview, if you ask me. But I suppose there is a sense in which only I know my innermost thoughts or fears, my most closely held secrets, my unexpressed feelings. Yet being alone this way isn't the same as being lonely, nor is it the same as being abandoned. The disciples couldn't imagine what life would be like without Jesus, what it would be like to go on without him. Who will stay with us, they ask. The fear they felt was the fear of being abandoned, of being left to go it alone by themselves. In response, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my word and my Father will love you and we will come to you and make our home with you. We will make our home with you. In other words, we will abide with you, rest and remain with you, stay with you. When life seems fragile and transitory, God promises to dwell in us and to be with us. And there's just one condition. We need to love Jesus and keep his word. Hmm. I think generally speaking, we tend to approach keeping his word in one of two ways. We either live with a whole list of do's and don'ts that we diligently, even obsessively, try to follow every day. Not many of us do that. Or we just figure 
that the list is probably too long, so we're not going to worry too much about it. Well, I have good news and bad news. The good news is the list is actually short. Really just two things, according to Jesus. The not-so-good news, those two things are you need to love God with your whole being and you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And both of those things are pretty demanding, to say the least. But fortunately, we don't have to earn our relationship with God through obedience. Rather, it's like any relationship where two people love each other and want the best for each other. It's not a matter of following some external code or rule of conduct. If we love God, we'll follow Jesus' teachings, his way of life, his example, simply because the love we have for God compels us to do so. But let's face it, loving God and loving our neighbor is more than difficult. In fact, it's impossible to do on our own. Jesus promises that God will send the Holy Spirit to teach them all things and to remind them of Jesus' words. They will not be left orphans. They will not be abandoned. The Holy Spirit, or paraclete, is one who comes alongside, who stays near to us. The image here is of a prompter who stands in the wings of the stage during a play and whispers to us, reminding us of Jesus' words and his teachings. At times when our hearts are heavy and full of uncertainty, just as they were for the disciples that night, the Spirit comes to comfort us and to remind us that we are not alone, that God is with us. On a night when the disciples were confused, sad, and worried about what tomorrow might bring, Jesus promised them the Holy Spirit. And then he bestowed on them the gift of peace. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus does more than wish them peaceful lives. He gives them peace. It's not a wish. It's a gift. This peace is much more than the absence of conflict. The peace of which Jesus speaks is shalom, a sense of completeness, wholeness, contentment, and fulfillment. It's what we mean when we say that we are at peace. There's a profound sense of well-being, of being in harmony with the people and with the world that surrounds us. And that kind of peace 
can come even amidst hardship, trouble, and disruption. One of my favorite things in the world to do is scuba diving. I love the water and the sense of being in another world, a world where everything you see and experience is so different from our day-to-day lives. For me, the only drawback to scuba diving is you usually have to get to your dive spot in a boat. Dramamine is my best friend. I went on a dive once with my son and his wife, and I forgot to take the ever-important Dramamine. Of course, it had to be a windy day, creating really choppy seas. Needless to say, I spent some time leaning over the side of the boat as we drove out to the dive area. I couldn't wait to get in the water. Once the dive started and we reached a depth of about 50 feet, I still felt a bit bit queasy to be sure. But the sea was so quiet and so calm around me that I felt better pretty quickly. Even when life is difficult and the surface is rough and turbulent, deep at the center of our being, we can experience God's peace. Jesus says, I do not give as the world gives. I'm not at all sure of all that this statement implies. How does the world give? And how is Jesus giving different from the world's? One blogger I read said, maybe the world gives if you're the right kind of person. If you're rich, pretty, young, thin, straight, and white, you'll probably do well. To whom much is given, much more is given. But for others, she says, I would say that the world takes. It charges a hefty admission, plus service charges in the form of time, energy, anxiety, and even dignity. In Jesus' day, his gift of peace could be compared to the Pax Romana, the 200-year period of peace that began with the Emperor Octavian. During this time, the Roman Empire reached its peak in terms of land area and population. The government maintained law, order, and stability in relative peace. But it was peace through domination, intimidation, and power. That type of peace, the world's peace, is always provisional, always precarious, always suspect. Today, the peace that the world gives is even more uncertain, 
Iraq and Afghanistan are still unstable. War has broken out in Libya and Syria. ISIS is threatening. North Korea is testing missiles. We can easily see why this isn't the peace of which Jesus spoke. On an individual basis in our culture today, many people seek fulfillment, happiness, contentment through money and material possessions or through work or entertainment or various forms of escape and indifference. All of these avenues to peace are an illusion, an illusion that distracts and prevents us from finding true peace. True peace is a gift of God and can only come from God. To experience it, we may have to trust ourselves, our loved ones, our fortunes and our futures to God's care. Not that we totally surrender responsibility, but rather that we recognize that there are in fact some limits to what we can do on our own. Jesus bestowed his gift of peace on the disciples at a time when he had every reason in the world to be fearful himself. Later that very evening, he will be handed over and taken away by his executioners. Jesus' peace prevails amid conflict and hardship. It prevails for himself, for his disciples, and for each of us. He didn't abandon his disciples, but promised them the Holy Spirit. Neither are we alone. In fact, in the topsy-turvy reign of Christ, perhaps peace shines brightest when things are at their absolute worst. May it be so. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.